0: Viktor Frankl survived for three years in Auschwitz. Auschwitz, maybe the worst concentration camp in all of Nazi Germany. And he survived from 1942 to 1945. And he stayed alive all the way through 1997. He survived. And he was a well known, even at the time, um, Jewish Austrian neurologist and psychiatrist. And even while he was in the camp, many people would come to him because they knew who he was and they would come to him for help because they needed help to get through the camp because not many people made it. And in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl told the story of a man who lost, he lost all hope. Because this man, he, he had a dream that World War II would end on March 30th. And he was convinced He was convinced that this dream was a revelation that God had given him and that it was most certainly true. And he had so much hope that the war was going to end on March 30th. But then as the day drew closer, more and more news came out and it became clear. The war was most certainly not going to end on March 30th. And when he lost hope, it affected every part of his being, even even physically. On March 29th, he came down with a high fever. On March 30th, the day that he thought, he hoped it was going to be over, he became incapacitated and just one day later, March 31st, he died. Because his hope, his hope had failed him. Because his hope wasn't certain. And if anyone knows it in the history of the world, it's people who lived through Auschwitz. They know and we know that you need hope to survive. Because there's no possible way you can make it through life without suffering. And there's no possible way to make it through suffering without hope. But the dark underside of that truth is that if you have hope in the wrong thing, it doesn't get you through. It devastates you. And that's what happened to that man. I'm just going to put it right out there in the open. I believe, and the Bible says, that the only hope, the only hope in all the world that will never ever let you down is the hope that exists because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. You can hope in a lot of other things, but that's the only one. I'm just saying it straight out. It's the only one that will never let you down. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead means that all of his promises are true. If he didn't rise, none of them would be true. And a couple days ago, we spoke about in this place the promise that Jesus gave on the cross when he promised it is finished. Like no matter how much of a wreck you feel like, no matter how much guilt wells up in your heart every single day, no matter how many times you mess up, Jesus said, it is finished. I've finished the work. I've taken away all your sins. So no matter how much of a train wreck you think your life is or how, how void of purpose you are because you're just you, Jesus says, no, I've made you guilt-free and I've finished the work. Trust me. And then he rose from the dead to prove it. And that is the only hope that will never devastate you. Here's the account of Jesus rising from the dead in John 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, that's John, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. And I love that John includes this detail about himself. Side note. Both were running, but the other disciple, that's John, the author, he outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I don't know. He bent over They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. That's God's word. Now, you just heard the whole story. And many of you have probably heard the story many times before. But do this with me. Imagine you've never heard the story. And put yourself in Mary Magdalene's place on that Sunday morning. It's hard. But imagine you didn't know what happened. Put yourself in her place. Just 36 36 hours earlier, probably the longest 36 hours of her life, I'm guessing, she had watched Joseph and Nicodemus lay Jesus' body in the tomb. She saw where it was laid. She watched him do it. And and I don't know if Saturday night she couldn't sleep um, or if she woke up And she was filled with excitement, but not in a good way. Kind of a dreadful sort of way. And her her heart was just tossing and turning and she couldn't get back to sleep. So she went. She she just had to go. She had to go to the tomb. She was going to go later. She had to go now, even before the sun came up, to pay her respects and show her love to Jesus to finish preparing his body for burial. Because she was really close with him. He had been her teacher. He was the one she called Lord. And he had driven out seven evil demons from her. This was the guy who had unpossessed her and had completely changed the course of his life, of her life. And now he was dead. But she just had, she had to go. She had to be there. Put yourself in that place. And then she gets there and as she's approaching, I imagine she didn't want to look at it because she didn't want to acknowledge that this was the case that he was really in there, and that she was going to keep preparing his body, but then she looks and the stone's gone, and then she sees his body's gone too, and she takes off running. She goes and finds Peter and John, and then kind of like an elementary school relay race, as soon as she gets to them, they take off running in the opposite direction, and they go to the tomb, and they see that he's not there, and they believe, and then they head out again, and then we get back to Mary. By the time she got back, they were gone. And it's just her in the tomb where not only is her Savior not alive, but the body's not there. And she stood outside of it in a fog, a fog full of tears. And I wonder, I wonder now, what, what was going on in her head? What was she saying? She's saying, Really? Like you couldn't just be content with shaming him and killing him on the cross. Now you have to take away what little what little bit of goodness we have left, us getting to show honor to him by preparing his body for, for eternal burial. And you you're not content and you take away his body too? Seriously? Are you kidding me? There's no body. God, why would you let this happen? she was weeping. And this isn't the kind of tears that kind of just run down your cheeks a little bit. This was mourning. This was mourning in rage. She was mad because something, someone that she loved, had been ripped out of her life. And then, and then there's something there that wasn't there before. Actually, two things. Two angels. They hadn't been there previously. Now they were there. And they ask Mary, what is the most obvious question in the world, at least to her? They say, woman, why are you crying? And she probably thinks, well, how? Why do they need me to answer? Isn't it obvious? How could they not know why I'm crying? And and she says, they have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. She was grieving his death, and on top of that, she's grieving the loss of his body. And the thought that there could be a better, a much better answer to the situation, that, that thought didn't even come into her head. Because she was, she was lost in a fog of uncertainty. She had no hope at all. And hope, hope is this. Hope is looking forward to something with reason to be confident that it will actually happen looking forward to something with reason to be confident that will actually happen. And she had none of that. How could she? Her Jesus was dead and now his body was gone too. There was nothing to look forward to. Nothing at all. And after she gives them the most obvious answer in the world to her, there's another person there. And he asks the exact same question, woman, why are you crying? And then he added, Who is it you are looking for? And she couldn't even bring herself to utter the word Jesus. She just said, if you've taken him, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us if if Jesus somehow changed his appearance or shielded her, kept her from seeing who he was, or if she was just so in the fog of uncertainty that she couldn't even comprehend. But she didn't, she didn't know who it was who was talking to her until he said, Mary. And then it all came flooding back. Then she wasn't hopeless. She was hopeful. She was full of certain hope. Because here's the truth. When you have Jesus, you have hope. Now let's step back for a minute. And we could talk, uh, we, could, we could look back over the last 13 months. And let's think about all the different things we've put our hope in when it comes to the pandemic. And I know you're sick of hearing it, but just work with me here, okay? All the things we've put our hope in, I think there's a few. Number one, if I remember correctly, quarantine. 15 days. Number two, physical distancing. Put our hope in that. Number three, masks. And then kind of a combination of all three. And then a new thing got added to the mix, a vaccine. And so now we've got hope in these four things and they're all, like, they're all good, it seems. But let me ask you, how certain are you of what's going to happen in the future? In the next week, or in the next month, or in the next three months? Like, how, do, do you have a date on the calendar of when you'll stop wearing a mask everywhere? Are you certain? Just yesterday morning, uh, a major newspaper in our country Uh, ran the headline. And you can think what you want about news outlets. I don't care. But here's the headline. The headline was, in, in the realm of the pandemic, it said, Hope gives way to concern yet again. Now, we can think about the last 13 months. But we'd be missing the real truth here. Because the truth is that every single time of life is uncertain. Every moment is uncertain. And, and at this point, I considered asking for audience participation, but I'm a little too much of a control freak to do that. So just think, okay? Think in your head what is one thing, or what is the thing that you're the most certain of? And no Jesus answers allowed. No spiritual answers. You can't do that, it's against the rules. What's the thing that you're most certain of? I'm giving you five seconds, think. All right, here's a for instance. Let's say you're certain of what you're going to have for Easter lunch today. You're certain of it. It's in the slow cooker. Like, you're about to start tapping your watch because you say, Pastor, there's 53 minutes left and I want to eat it as soon as it's done. And you're certain of it. And like, it's only 53 minutes away. You'd think you could be certain about that, but but let me tell you some things. It's not certain. some, I don't know how it would happen in a slow cooker, but it could burn. It could get messed up. You, you, might, uh, you might get an invitation to someone's back porch and you just can't say no. And then you leave it in the slow cooker till tonight or tomorrow, and you don't have it for Easter lunch, you have something else. Or maybe you get sidetracked and um, you, you go past a restaurant on the way home and you just have a craving and you go and get it. Or maybe you stop and help someone on the side of the road and five minutes turns into five hours. And you don't even eat Easter lunch at all. Or, God forbid, you don't even make it home to eat your Easter lunch. And I don't care what it was that you were thinking of. I can play this game all day long. The truth is that nothing at all in life is certain. Every single moment is full of uncertainty, even the next moment. And if it feels kind of like I'm pushing you deep down into a hole, I am. I'm trying to. Because whether you are aware of it or not, We are always living in a hole of uncertainty, and it's always better to be aware of when we're living deep down in a hole of uncertainty. Except for one thing. There's one thing, one thing in life that is completely certain, and that is the fact, the news, that 2,000 years ago, three days after he got buried, Jesus Came out of the grave. That is the one thing, the one thing in all the world that is completely certain. It is the only thing that you can hope in and not be devastated by, or at least maybe not be devastated by. It's not possible because it's never going to change because it happened. It's just a fact, it's the news. And because Jesus rose from the dead, I'll repeat myself every single promise that he made is true. And he promised that because he lives, you also will live, even after you die. Because when he died, he took away all your guilt. And people who have no guilt get to live with God forever and ever. Because Jesus rose, you can be certain of that thing happening in the future. And because of an event in the past, Jesus rising from the dead, we can believe his promise for the future and that gives us hope. In the present, and hope is looking forward to something with reason for being confident that it will actually happen. And that's what you have because Jesus rose from the dead. And you need to remember that because in life, there are a lot of Saturdays. Without fail, every year on social media, I see posts on the day between Good Friday and Easter to the effect of Jesus died, dot, dot, dot. But Sunday is coming. But what if Sunday weren't coming? What if you were Mary, Magdalene, or or Peter, or John, or one of the other disciples, and you didn't know that the next day was Easter. And Good Friday wasn't yet called good because it was the worst day in the history of your existence because your best friend and teacher and savior Jesus died and you, you didn't have any hope left. What if you didn't know that the next day was Easter, that he was going to rise from the dead, that it was going to be the most joyous day of Christians across the world for every year in the future? What if you didn't know that? What if you're just sitting there on Saturday in the darkness of uncertainty because everything, what you put your hope in, Jesus, is gone. There are a lot of Saturdays in life that are full of darkness and uncertainty and things that you thought you could trust in get pulled out from under you. But when you have the hope of Easter. It changes how you live all all those dark, uncertain Saturdays. I don't know what Mary and Peter and John did that first Saturday that they didn't know was after Good Friday and before Easter. I I don't know what they did, but I can't imagine it was joyful. But after they saw Jesus, and again, I don't know, but did they ever say, Jesus, God, why did you leave us in the dark on Saturday? Why didn't you tell us? They probably didn't even think those thoughts because they were too busy listening to Jesus say, Mary, and listening to Jesus call them my brothers, even though the last thing they had done to Jesus was abandon him the night before that he died. And the first thing he does when he rises from the dead is he says to Mary, go tell my brothers. Not those scoundrels or those, those those guys who are just full of fear and lack courage. No, tell my brothers. Easter hope is what carries you through all the Saturdays of life. And so this week, this week when you're uncertain, Or when guilt is welling up inside of you, or when there's just a darkness on your heart, see your risen Jesus say, Mary. Because Jesus doesn't just say, Mary, he says every single one of your names too. Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.